Morgan County hear the gospel and see much of Morgan County come to trust Christ as their Savior. And, you know, I, I uh, regret many years ago thinking that we, uh, Lord, if you just give us a church of 200, that we'll be fine and it'll be great. And that's that kind of mentality, I think, that stagnates our our witnessing. And, and so uh, forget that. We're asking God that in his uh, glory and honor that he give us a tithe of the county. And so if he gives us a tithe of this county, we better start building some bigger buildings and uh, looking forward to seeing what God is going to do and as we step out to do things for God. And why do we want to do that? But because of what he's done for us. And, and I can't but help think of of uh, what, what God has told us throughout the scripture and given us that great commission to go out and, and teach the gospel and preach the gospel to those that will listen and, and to see many come to trust Christ as our Savior. And so as we get into this message, I just want to speak from my heart to each one of you that uh, if, if you have come today and you're not, and, and I don't want you leaving here today without you being certain that if you were to die today, that you know that you'll spend an eternity in heaven. And I pray that whenever we're finished with the message today, that every one of you can walk out of this door with that Bible reason and that Bible verse that God has used in your heart to bring yourself to him and, and understanding that you are in need of a Savior and that you settle it with him today. And I pray that you do, and I pray that everyone leaves here today knowing that they're on their way to heaven. And yes, there is a way. And it, it's not a hope so, and it's not a, 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 an indistinct path that you're not sure of, and, and you can't read the lines, and you can't see the road. And, and Jesus does say that it's a narrow way, but he shows us that he can make it bright to everyone and illuminate it to all of us. And I pray that, that you'll know that. And, and uh, what, a, what a joy it is to come and preach today about Jesus is alive. Whenever I preached last week, we preached on Jesus making the statement, remember me, this do in remembrance of me. And it was those words that, that Jesus had encouraged those disciples and because he knew what they were getting ready to see. And, and we went over that somewhat last week in his crucifixion and and, and uh, we know that they were going to deal with all of that. And so he said, I want you to remember what I've told you. I want you to remember what, what I've been teaching you. I want you to remember the things that I've shown you throughout these last three and a half years of this ministry. And, and I want you to remember those things. And then we know that he was crucified on that cross and put in that tomb and then that leads us to Luke chapter 24. The first eight verses of Luke chapter 24, and here you try to visualize what was going on, and it was somewhat like this morning. I, I, I always get here early, and I got here really early this morning, but I always get early here early on Sunday and pray and, and look over my message and, and read the scriptures and, and preparing for uh, the, the day and, and, and uh, preaching God's word and, and ministering to those that come. And, but I got here this morning and it was, I don't know, you could ask Tom, he, was, he heard the alarm when I turned it off, but uh, about 5.20 in the morning I, I showed up. 
And I stepped out of the truck, and it's still dark, and walking to the, the door, and I heard the robins chirping. <clears throat> and you knew that daylight was coming, and it was soon to come. And by 6 o'clock, it was bright out, and you could see everything. And, well, it was, it was really about that time of the morning that we see that uh, uh, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, Joanna, and these ladies were, were going to the tomb. And it tells us, and they get there, and there's an empty tomb. Uh, how, what, a, what a beautiful picture. To, and it wasn't so pretty to them at the, at the time. And it tells us in John chapter 20 that as they're standing there, and, and as Mary is standing there looking at this empty tomb, it tells us that she was weeping. Weeping, thinking that Jesus was gone. Somebody had stolen his body. And they couldn't do all of the, the, the preparation for the body that they needed to do. And, and this was that one last time that, that she was going to be able to come to that tomb and, and tell him goodbye and have that closure that, that all of us seek to have whenever we lose a loved one. And, and here she is, and, and, and she's standing there at this empty tomb, and she's weeping. It tells us in Luke 24 and verse 1, Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Last week, remember me. And he, then we heard this morning the seven statements upon the cross that Jesus Christ had made and and we see how important his words are and here he even tells them uh, the angels are there at the tomb this empty tomb and and they said do you not remember what he told you remember the things that Jesus has said remember the very words of God because it's truly only the words of God that matter for faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God and so we know that we think about his words and here the disciples are starting to remember some of those things and, and, and Mary, what, what a joy this is because you, you think about here's Mary and she's weeping at the tomb and, and how sad she is and in the, in the verses in, in, in the episode of this being uh, described in John chapter 20 and, and it tells us that uh, here she is, she's weeping and and she sees this man, and, and it's dark, and so she can't uh, recognize who he is. And, and Jesus said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. If you know where he's at, please tell me. I, I, I want to take him and and preparing for the, the proper burial that he deserves. 
and the one word that Mary remembered, I'm certain, for the rest of her life. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. Mary. And she recognized it was her Savior. Alive and well. The one that had walked out of that tomb. The one that had conquered death. The one who was alive forever. She remembered his words. Oh, we need to remember his words that promise us eternity. We need to remember his words that give us joy and support whenever we need it. We need to remember his words to lead us when no one else is there. How important are his words that he tells us? While his words describe to us the greatest day in all of Christianity. And oh, how to remember these words. And not only remember them in our mind, but put them in our heart and remember the promises that he gives us that will help us to get through this evil and wicked and stressful world and realize that there is something much better, something much greater because of what he tells us. And in this, he tells us why he would die. First of all, he tells us that Jesus is our Redeemer. Whenever we think about redemption, Ephesians 1 and verse 7 tells us, in whom, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Why is it that that he needed to shed his blood? Well, we see, first of all, there is a need for redemption. And, and that need is universal for every one of us. There are, there are those that, that try to, to believe the lie and listen to the lie of Satan that all the preacher does is stand up there and condemn everyone. And that's not at all true whatsoever. The longer you're in God's Word and the more you understand how, how humbling it is to realize that Jesus Christ loves us in spite of us. And oh, we all need to be uh, redeemed. Oh, How all of us need to understand that Jesus is reaching out to every one of us and we're all on the same path and we're all on the same ground and we have all sinned and we all need to be redeemed. Romans 5.12 Wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. You ever hear some preachers say that he's reached perfection? You need to run the other way. Because he's lying. He sinned. (laughs) Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In this record that we're going to look at today, we see the price that was paid for all the sins of the world. Oh, the heart of Jesus is the redemption of all people. We know that if you go back and you read the stories, there was the woman that was, and we always use the, the woman that was caught in adultery. The man, they didn't care anything about. They bring the woman, parade her up in front of everybody, and parade her there in front of Jesus, and, and here she is in all of her shame and all of her guilt, and, and knowing that 
a pharisaical attitude and the, uh, the, the hypocritical attitude of these religious leaders, she knew that when she was going to be brought up there that she was going to die for the adultery that she was committing. And Jesus tells her, go and sin no more. There was a man, I just read this in my devotions a couple of days ago. I'll chuckle at the short guys. <clears throat> and so, but, you know, I, I have friends that are short, and they tell me that, that God is with them because he says, lo, I am with you always. <laughs> but Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was an extortioner. But it tells us that he was also short in stature. And Jesus was coming in to see this Jesus and there was no way that he was going to be able to march through the crowd and, and get in front of them and no way that he could see over everybody So he, because he was short and so he climbs up in the sycamore tree and Jesus comes walking by and here is this tax collector and we all can understand April 15th just passed right? Here he is the IRS agent one who had just come in and, and checked all of your books to make sure that you wasn't cheating them out of anything, right? Here he is. He's up there in the tree and this tax collector, and he was an extortioner, and he had robbed from people, and, and people knew who he was, and they're thinking, man, if I just had a chainsaw, I could cut the tree down. And Jesus sees him. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, Make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. I love the story in Mark. tells us that Jesus is walking into another city, small town probably, dirt roads, and here he is, he's walking, and, and there's this man, he's blind, and he can't see anything, and his name is Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus is hanging around, and, and he's asking, Hey, it's Jesus that's coming down the street, and, and, and he's going to walk right by here, and Bartimaeus knows who this Jesus is, and so he's crying out, Jesus, thou Son of God, Jesus, thou Son of God, Bartimaeus, you need to be quiet, you need to leave him alone. Oh, Jesus, the Son of God, and the louder he got, and they'd tell him to be quiet, and the louder he got, and here comes Jesus. He says, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. There was a woman at the well in John chapter 4, married five times, living with her six men. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. We all need forgiveness. There's not a preacher that's right with God that would ever stand here and condemn anyone, but would realize that we all sin and come short of the glory of God. And oh, how we need redemption. Oh, how we need forgiveness. I think of how wicked our world is today, and people thinking that there's no way that we can have that. Yes, there is. Jesus, Jesus fulfills the need for redemption. And why? Because he makes the payment of redemption. 
Titus 2 and verse 14, he says, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. I just want to say that you are really living up to the peculiar people. All right, you'll get it later. But he made the payment of redemption. He made that payment on the cross. That vision, that that visual that we had last week of Jesus and the, the pain that he suffered, the pulling of his beard, the flogging, the crown of thorns that was shoved down upon his head, those rusty spikes that were driven through the, the, the hands of our Savior, those other spikes that were driven through the very arches of his feet and, and nailed to that cross, and there he would hold himself up to, to keep himself from strangling to death. And they watched him there die the most agonizing, the most cruel way, gruesome act of violence that could ever be displayed, committed against the greatest person, that ever walked this earth, the only one that could ever claim perfection. And they watched him die. And after he's dead, even then they walk up to him and poke his side with a spear to make sure that he's dead. Ephesians 1.7 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. I know that we were not there to see this happen. I understand that. But let's just bring it home a little closer. Let us say that, I don't know, let's say that somebody was getting ready to walk in here and blow us all up like 200 Christians faced in Sri Lanka this morning and died. Let's say that somebody was getting ready to come in here. Let's say that one person, Sam, sees him out there, runs out the door, grabs the guy, and blows himself up to save all of us. How would we feel? How would we feel in knowing that he gave his life so that we could live? You know, I've heard of soldiers that have gone to war and they come back and the biggest issue that they have is why did he die and I didn't? And the guilt and the shame, the gratitude, and then the shame because you're grateful that you lived, but then you feel ashamed because you lived and he didn't. We think of how How we would feel. Well, put yourself in this. Look, you need to understand that that in this case, Jesus was perfect in every way and did not deserve to die, was not a soldier that was in war with someone. Jesus Christ was an innocent man who was God himself, enveloped in all perfection and and still God. and, And here he is crucified on that cruel cross And he did so out of love for every one of us because he knew there was a need for redemption and he is the only one that could fulfill that. And so he suffered on the cross a terrible pain for him, for our sin.
But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Oh, we see. The significance of this sacrifice is that was made by God in the flesh. Titus also tells us in 2 and verse 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. It, it, it is a wonderful thing to know that Jesus is our Redeemer. But the great thing about the gospel is what we celebrate today. Whenever we think about the resurrection, we understand that he is our, redeem, our Redeemer. But we know today that Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. He has conquered death. Revelation 1 in verse 18 says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And, the, and, the, and have the keys of hell and of death. Do you know anyone that, that, that was dead and buried? Do you know anyone else that has died and gone to that grave and that has risen again from the dead? I remember in 1987, my grandfather passed away on the last hour of 1986, January 31st, or December 31st at like 11 o'clock at night. I remember a few days later, we lived in Missouri. Anybody here ever live in Missouri? You know how cold it can get? <laughs> that day when we buried my grandfather, I'll never forget it. The wind was blowing about 30 miles an hour. It was about zero degrees out with a windshield well below zero. I, I just can never forget that. Still just plain as day to me. And trying to get inside the tent, you know, to where maybe the wind wouldn't blow so bad. You know what? I go back to North Evans Cemetery when I get a chance, drive up the little drive and get out and walk over there to the tombstone where my grandfather lies, where a few years later we put, our, put my grandmother there also. You know what I see? I see a tomb. I see a tombstone. And there's a grave. And there's a casket. And there's still a body in that tomb. I just can't imagine what it's like to think about coming to a tomb and it's wide open. And there's nobody there. Jesus is alive. And he has conquered death. And here we know that Henry Morris made this statement. He said, the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is a crowning proof of Christianity. If the resurrection did not take place, then Christianity is a false religion. If it did take place, then Christ is God, and the Christian faith is absolute truth. It's kind of like whenever you go to a store and you buy something and you get a receipt for that and you walk out and you think, what is this receipt for? What does it serve? Well, it is the proof that payment has been made. Well, that is exactly what the resurrection is. It is proof that what Jesus Christ did on the cross was sufficient 
for all the sins of the world and was sufficient that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That work and that work alone in what Jesus did that day on that brutal, violent cross is sufficient because he rose again the third day, showing us that those that will call upon him will be justified. He has conquered death. I love 1 Timothy 3, verse 16, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. There's also a mighty declaration that was made about him over in Colossians chapter 2. And, and I, I've used this a number of times. Every time I read this, I get so excited about these verses of what took place when Jesus Christ died on that cross and rose from the dead. And it tells us in this time, it said, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him. He's given you life with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. And then look at this, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances. And here, the record of debts. All of the things that you have done, everything that you have committed against our Savior, every vile thought that you've had, every, every sinful word that you have used, every vile act that you have committed in this body, and all the doubt and the lack of faith that you have in your life, whatever it may be, whatever the handwritings that, that, that have been there, all of those that was against us, He has blotted those out, which was contrary to us. Yeah. Yeah, you think they were opposed to us? Oh, that is exactly what Satan was doing, standing in front of God and rolling out this scroll and, and rolling out a longer scroll and a longer scroll and say, this is everything that I have against Shannon Monday and there is no way, God, that he can ever get into heaven with all of these things. And Jesus Christ took that scroll that was against me and he blotted it out. He blotted it out. And took it out of the way. How did he blot it out? Nailing it to his cross. When Jesus Christ went to that cross that day, he went for me. He went for me. And then, this is what I love. This is where you get to shouting. Verse 15 and having spoiled principalities. He has stripped them of any power. He has disarmed them of any, any might that they might have, and he has made a show of them openly. He has exposed them. He has mocked them. He has disgraced them. He has openly and boldly done so, triumphing over them in it. You know what? You can go back in the Scriptures, and it tells us, Whenever Jesus was lying or was hanging there on the cross, that you remember, and it's my speculation, three hours of darkness. Remember that? And all I don't think that it was like the darkness that we saw this morning when you're coming here for the sunrise service where you can see a hint of gray. Oh, I think it was dark. 
not a moon, not a star. It was dark. You ever been in a cave? That kind of dark. You wave your hand in front of you, you can't see anything. You know why? Because sin is vile. And for three hours, it was like that. You know, it tells us that he led captivity captive. It tells us about Abraham's bosom where Lazarus was laying. And oh, how I do believe that it's during this time where Jesus Christ is doing that battle and he's dying on that cross for the sins of the world. And it's during this time that he has made that sacrifice for God. And it's then that he leads captivity captive and he brings them out and he leads them into heaven and shows them their eternal home. But while he's doing that too, as he's parading around and showing those who are saved that those that are there in Gehenna are looking over there and they are seeing this Savior who is leading all these people into heaven, parading around them and showing the demons and showing the devil and showing the unbelievers that are already spending an eternity in hell. That Jesus Christ is the victor over death. He is the one. He is the one that gives us everything that we need. You know, as I get older, and you just, you just see so much junk, so much heartache, so much stress, there just isn't anything here that really you, you care, that keeps you here, except for people. The people that God puts in your life. That really is, whenever you look at Jesus' purpose in life while he was here, was for nothing else than for people. The entire world. The entire world. And oh, how we need to be understanding and realize that he has conquered death. There is nothing to fear if we know him as our Savior because everything about Jesus is life. He's conquered death. You know what? He also offers eternal life to anyone. The ground is level at the cross 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 22, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Religion doesn't give you that. Only a relationship with your Savior. How does that relationship start? By recognizing that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. And you need to call upon Him to forgive you of your sins. And you need to believe and trust in what He has done on that cross for you. And He seals the proof of that by His resurrection. John 10, 28, Jesus said, And I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Anyone that believes. Anyone. Anyone can believe. Now, I guess if you are 
believing in a limited atonement and maybe you follow the ideas of the Calvinists, it might be kind of like the stewardess that was on the plane and she's given the pre-flight instructions on the oxygen mask. We've all seen it. In the event of a sudden loss of cabin pressure, a mask will descend from the ceiling. Stop screaming, grab the mask, and pull it over your face. If you have a small child traveling with you, secure your mask before assisting with theirs. If you are traveling with more than one child, pick your favorite. That's not what God does. That isn't what God does at all, is it? God made it sufficient for all of us. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what I love about Platte Valley. That's what I love about our church. There are all kinds of walks here. And we're all at the cross. We're all even in the eyes of God. Doesn't matter how much talent or how little talent. Doesn't matter how much money or how little money. Doesn't matter what color your skin is. Doesn't matter what your culture has been. The only thing that matters, do you know Jesus as your Savior? And are you living for him today? John 6, verse 40. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Anyone ever read the story of Harry Houdini? Anybody read about him and, and how good he was at being the escape artist? And he died in October of 1926. Still one of the most famous magicians ever, and with his special ability of spectacular escapes. And in his shows, he would uh, seal him in coffins. He had escaped. They riveted him in a boiler. He escaped. They sewed him up in canvas bags. He escaped. They locked him in a milk can. He escaped. They sealed him in a barrel. He escaped. Once, he, he was even locked in a maximum security prison, and Houdini still got out. But then in October of 1926, death laid his hands upon Harry Houdini and put him in a grave, and he has yet to escape. Houdini told his wife before he died, he told her, he said, if there is any way out, I will find it, and I will contact you on the anniversary of my death. For 10 years, she kept a light burning over his portrait. At the end of 10 years, she turned out the light. Death had Harry, and he couldn't escape. You can personally know Jesus Christ as your Savior and know that death will not keep you. That your tomb will one day be empty. That your eternal life is forever secured with our Savior who has conquered death. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life and that you may believe 
on the name of the Son of God. He wants you to know. Do you know him? Do you know it for certain that if you were to walk out of here today, that you'd spend an eternity with him in heaven? Believe on him. Trust in him. doesn't matter who you are. John Liggett served a life sentence for murder. And while he was in prison, he accepted Christ as his Savior. One of the things that he did while he was in there is he built the caskets for Billy Graham and for Billy Graham's wife. I didn't see it, but they said that every picture on that simple pine box carried the message that no matter who you are or what you've done, God's eternal love and forgiveness are available to all. And on that casket, he carved his name. And you think about the difference in those two men. You think about Billy Graham, who was saved early in age, and God used him to to preach the gospel to millions and millions of people. Lies in a wooden box of a man who was spending a life sentence in Angola prison. Both will see their Savior. Both have seen their Savior. Both are living an eternal life with Jesus Christ because both had trusted Christ as their Savior. The redeemed is to be saved from the penalty of sin. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You see, salvation is not something you achieve, but it's something that you believe. Jesus Christ made the sacrifice for the sins of the world when he died on that cross. And it was shown to us that it was sufficient to save anyone who would call upon him when he rose from the dead. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. And he has prepared that place for us. And he has given us the deposit by giving every believer the Holy Spirit that indwells in the lives of every believer. And until that day, we serve him because we serve a risen Savior. We serve a Savior who is alive and well today, and we honor and we glorify Him. Do you know Him? Do you know Him? Please, don't leave here without knowing for certain that Jesus Christ is your Savior. Let's pray. Father, I thank You. I thank You for Your Word. I thank you for the truth of it and the conviction of it. I thank you for the privilege of being able to preach it today. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will take your word and work in the hearts of each one who's here. I pray you do a work in our hearts and in our lives. Guide us and direct us in Jesus' name. You know what I want to do, though, before we end?